Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder, and we have guests today from Hawaii. Wow. Kind of nice weather going on there. <laughs> the worst places to be for sure. <laughs> yeah, beautiful well, today. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's raining here in Florida. Oh. Welcome, James and Jolene Phelps. Um, James emailed me, I don't know how long ago, a while ago, and last fall we had the privilege of meeting once, and we found out that um, we had had somewhat similar journeys in kind of figuring out the whole Mormonism thing, and then believing that there was a God and trying to figure out where to go after Mormonism from there. Um, and of course, you've got a husband-wife team here, so I'm eager to hear how, yeah, how your sure. journeys work together or didn't. James <laughs> <and> Jolene. <Yeah. laughs> Welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so we were we were born and raised in Arizona, both of us. Well, mostly Jolene. She was yeah. uh, Jolene's actually half Cuban. She's got some Cuban blood in her. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, great! I like her even more now. <laughs> I've been going in and out of Cuba for like the last 12 years. So yeah. half of my heart you give us. <laughs> we'll have to practice some Spanish. Okay. <laughs> so. okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, born and raised in Arizona. We both come from Mormon families. And mm -hmm. uh, my, um, my family goes pretty much all the way back to, to the original Mormon roots and uh, come from a large family. There's 10 kids in my family. They all wow. live right there in the Gilbert Mesa, Arizona area. And mm -hmm. so I'm number four out of 10. I'm from a great okay. over there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So was your family um, pretty faithful, staunch, um, heavily involved? Yes. Yes. All of those. Yes. They, okay. As, as much as you can be and still are uh, very much true, true blue Mormons, very faithful Mormon family, all very active. Actually have, have one brother now who's not, but all the rest are uh, very active and we have there's 49 grandkids in the family now and mm -hmm. wow. spread all throughout the wow. world. Uh, yeah, there's a number of these uh, nephews and nieces have gone on missions. And um, so, yeah, they're very, very strong Mormon family. And eight still active. That's a kind of unusual, don't you think? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's a tribute to your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, they are good, good parents. Yeah, they've been, you know, still, you know, very loving family and love to get together. Most, most Sunday nights there's, 50 people over at my parents' house where we grew up and they're all hanging out and uh, it's, it's a good family. Well, how about you, Jolene? Too, you were born into an active Mormon family? Um, mostly, my mom um, was a convert. She came over from Cuba when she was 18 and um, 
two Mormon missionaries showed up at the door when um, in the 60s, you know, during the hippie movement. And so I, I can't say that my grandmother like really believed, you know, the story, but she was so worried coming over from Cuba where, you know, the girls are so well chaperoned and they had so many rules to coming here with the big love movement. And she had these teenage daughters. So these two Mormon missionaries show up at the door and, and they don't drink and they don't smoke. And so oh, she wanted the protection. And so, um, so my mom and dad, my dad is, um, generational Mormon. Um, but they, uh, he actually was on the same mission that my, um, and so my mom met him when she was just a new convert. And then they later met again at BYU and, and, um, got married. And so I would say they were pretty, um, active most of my life. Um, especially later on, like at the beginning, um, they weren't, and later on they divorced. So there's some yucky stuff, but, <laughs> but as like when James and I met, um, I had been pretty active since I was 12. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So both of you are active. James, you served a mission. Did you Jolene? No, I didn't serve a mission. <laughs> but, but James served a mission. Okay. Tell yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. I went to Taiwan. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Served, served two years there in, in, in Taipei, Taiwan. And, uh, quite an experience really, you know, jumping into to a whole new culture, a whole new language. Um, oh, absolutely. It had its ups and downs for sure. Overall, you know, I felt it was a, a good experience. As, uh, I remember it, it was, it was uh, converts were few and far between there in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. I, I worked very hard. I was a worker, you know, I was that put your shoulder to the wheel type guy, follow mm -hmm. all the rules. You know, I was up on time, going to bed on time, carrying the, the little white Bible in my pocket that had all the rules in it. And uh, <laughs> I, I feel bad for my companions. I think I was a bit of a slave driver. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah, you were that missionary companion. It was gung-ho. It's like, come on, seriously, 10 more minutes of sleep. Nope, everybody out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so home from your mission and then married soon after yeah, in the temple? No, I, I was uh, a bit of a rebel. Yeah, I, I didn't get married right right off the bat. Uh, so I, I just picked up with college again, went to Arizona State University and uh, got, got through college being single. And then I went to law school. We, we shared stomping grounds there then at BYU, went to BYU Law School. And uh, even uh, quite an accomplishment, I guess, coming back from BYU single even. Which never, never happens. <laughs> wow. Then back to Arizona. So we were, we were 29 when Jolene and I met. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. How did you guys meet? <laughs> she was having a uh, kind of a housewarming party of sorts. It was mm -hmm. pretty much a blind date set up through a, a cousin of mine. Yeah. That, uh, and so we, uh, I was invited to this party and, and we just hit it off right off the bat. Yeah. So this is uh, <laughs> cool. And the one that I've been patiently waiting for all these years. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we dated for about six months and got married in, in the, well, actually, we, uh, because Jolene had been divorced within a year uh, when, when we met. And so when we got married, we actually couldn't get married in the temple. We had to get yeah. married civilly for oh, man. Well, that year to expire, which was actually really neat. neat. We got married in my bad. backyard and it's nice to have all the kids and the family <laughs> okay. there. So talk to me about that. Was there any stigma with that? Was that all good? And for us, we thought it was good. I don't know if people, you know, you never know if people are always nice, you know, you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> for us, and we actually had the approval of our, of our leaders on it. They were, they were encouraging. They're like, yeah. it probably doesn't make sense to wait a year here, you know, then so yeah. get married civilly and then wait your year and get, get still in the temple later. Well, um, you would have been a menace at 30, right? So you, <laughs> yeah. you get married. 
time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we, we had a nice, nice uh, ceremony there and got, got sealed there in the Mesa Temple a year later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've been there. So then, <laughs> so then you guys just uh, jump into Mormon. What did you do at the time, James? So, what was your work? What, what were you involved in? I was an attorney, still am an attorney. So I was working okay. for some litigation firms in Phoenix. Uh, working long hours. Uh, Jolene already had a daughter. Uh, Rinsley mm -hmm. is our daughter, and she was four, five years old when we got married. Yeah. And uh, and so we had uh, a, a full-blown family right off the bat. Yeah. So cool. So built in flower girl. Yes, yeah, she was a flower girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so you have children together then? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we have two, two boys, uh, two boys, uh, 12 and 14, and, and Rinsley, our girl, is 21. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yes. So your kids are about the age of Micah's. That's okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then your lives together, you're Mormons, you're working, you're right. You're right in a very strong Mormon community because that yeah. whole area of Mason Gilbert. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I'd really consider that probably the, one of the other than Provo. Alpine. Yeah. <laughs> Alpine. Yeah. yeah. Outside of that, one of the bigger Mormon bubbles for sure. And so that was our whole world, you know, all of our friends, yeah. uh, business acquaintances. Uh, we were very active, had callings, mm -hmm. um, just did everything that Mormons do. You know, we lived right across the street from my parents and so very, uh, you know, close to the family and yeah. wow. right there. We're, you know, I grew up in this, I, we were, we went to the same ward where I grew up, the, the Gilbert yeah. sixth ward. Oh, wow. I grew up in, and so I was in that, oh. that, that, that my, for most of my life there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and things, things were, were good. You know, we were, comfortable you know we were in our secure zone and uh mm -hmm. not Jolene and I we, we had a good marriage there were certainly things that we were working on over the years you know and things that I think over the years kind of pile up you know when you don't really address them uh, yes those things just kind of start piling up over the years like they do for any couple and so we had our struggles um yeah. we, we also I think we both all sensed that things could be better than they were you know that we hadn't really reached our potential as a couple uh, just running into the same issues over and over type of thing, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> not really um, get, getting through them, you know, so there's some of that, but overall we had a good marriage. We, we had family home meeting and we, we did <laughs> all the things that they tell us to do that says, if you do these things, then you're going to be blessed and you're going to have a good family and none of your kids will ever leave the church. And that's, that's <laughs> what we put it. Yeah. And yeah. So, so I can't imagine living across, were you living across from your parents when you began to have doubts about the church? What happened? Yeah. yeah so, what broke into, how did Jesus break <laughs> into your existence? I mean, you were pretty insulated. Yeah. You were, yeah. Yeah. It was a process for sure. You know, okay. So there was, sorry, there was a catalyst later on, but for a period of years, it was really just asking uh, questions and just my, my mind being opened up. I think, I think God just really, puts people in our lives, right? And, and he, he does it in a way that, that it works for us, you know? And for me, it was just certain friends that I just even started hanging out with that were not Mormon. It's like for my first time in my life, I was hanging out with people who weren't Mormon. You know? Okay. It's weird, but when you grow up in a bubble, that's kind of a big thing, you know? So just, how'd you meet them? From work or? I, I know one of the a, a big uh, big influence in my life that just started opening my mind was was a, a tennis pro over at a resort in Scottsdale that uh, Jelani and I were just staying for the weekend. We met him and he became... I, I'm a passionate tennis player, and so I'd go and hang out with him every week and get a lesson. And and he was he was actually more of a a new age type guy, right? And and so uh -huh. just this was, you know, although I disagree with where he he is, I also opened my mind to say, oh, this is a good person who's not a Mormon, 
and he's living a very good life, you know, and things like that just start making you think, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he has right. a very spiritual orientation toward life. So he's not, he hasn't thrown out the spiritual. No, he's yeah, very right. much into very spiritual. Yes. Yeah. yeah very... I loved just sitting at his feet and just listening to his different ideas. And yeah, mm -hmm. it was really interesting talking to him. So that's one thing, you know, and I think yeah. probably the big thing for me was I, I almost just had this, this, um, nagging feeling in me, you know, of, of yeah. why am I so blessed to be living in, in this family, in this little part of the world and, and growing up in the, the one true church on the face of the earth, you know, which is just a small speck, you know, in history, you know, and um, culturally, I think I just always had a, mm -hmm. a bit of a hard time fitting in, not always, but in my, I think probably after my mission, you know, as people were getting married and I wasn't and stuff, I think God was using this time to just open my mind a bit, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I know Jolene and I, we'd always, you know, we'd go on our date nights and there's just those places that are the Mormon hangouts, you know, and I, I also didn't want to go there. Yeah. I just didn't feel quite in. You know? I never could understand. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know. I just, just like, and now we know why it was just that clickiness, you know, that the yeah. in the culture that would just really rub him wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. But at the time we couldn't figure, like I couldn't understand why you felt that way, you know? So, so, so questions were starting to start to rise in this time, you know, and I started looking at different things, you know, just things that I um, see, you know, on, on the internet and whatnot. I was uh, not, you know, for, for the most part looking at, um, I remember some things that started really piling up on my, on the proverbial shelf, you know, were things like, you know, the different versions of Joseph Smith's vision, Mm -hmm. It was a, a big thing for me, you know, mm -hmm. this, this. So what about was this? I would say this is probably 2010 ish, you know, that some questions mm -hmm. really started hitting me. Okay. Um, so at that point, and you'd been lot. married how long? So that was probably seven, eight years at that point. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. It was a very slow progression. And I, I wasn't even talking with Jolene about these things at the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I just knew it was my responsibility to be the spiritual leader of the home. And I was having a hard time doing that. And that was one of the th struggles we had in our marriage. Jolene mm -hmm. is, always has been a very passionate person for God. Mm -hmm. And it, it just led to a point where I was just becoming spiritually passive and I was burnt out. And um, yeah. and I, so I'd, I'd go through the motions at best, you know, it's, it's still do the minimum, but there was just no fire in me. What, what callings would you have had um, in those first few years of marriage? You no, know, I was, uh, over the years, I was, you know, the executive assistant to the bishop, um, in the elders quorum. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, those, those were those, those types of calls. Sunday school teacher. We, we, we served together in primary for many years. Yeah, many years. Love that. Yeah. yeah that was fun. <laughs> that was towards, towards the end. <laughs> it's a place to hide. It was a place to hide. And now we go to gospel doctor and so we can yeah. just kind of, yes. Have fun with the kids. Um, yeah, so those were our main callings. My mm -hmm. father was, uh, um, he was, you know, in the state presidency and bishop and all those things over the years. And it's funny, I was always, um, because I saw how busy he was and how little we saw him over the years, <laughs> I was always praying that I would never get a calling like that. I said, yeah. please don't send me into that. I kind of um, hid from those as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Micah actually wrote home from his mission a couple of times, pray they don't call me to be an AP, please pray they don't call me to be an AP. <laughs> and assisting to the, to the mission president, yeah. that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so outwardly though, you're acting you know, but inwardly, yeah, dead. And we, and we hear that a lot, James, uh, from people that we talk to who, for all appearances, were totally faithful, totally devoted, not really, even though they've maybe seen some things, aren't really seriously questioning or doubting, but that, in, that internal sense of tiredness, mm 
mm-hmm. of weariness, of not feeling like they measure up, of this, wow, I'm I'm really trying hard, but I'm not feeling it. This is not something I'm passionate about, but I know it's expected of me. And so I'm going to keep doing what's expected of me. Yeah. And right. I think God even uses that to create a hunger and a thirst for real true spiritual life. Do you find, do you see that happening? What, where are you at like spiritually in terms of your relation, what you see is your relationship with God at that point? Absolutely. Yeah. You hit it right on. That's there's, there's, I think in all of us, there's just this God, God shaped hole in our heart that God is always trying to fill. And I, and I have that hole in my heart, even though I had a lot of religion, you know, my whole life, I grew up around religion and I was in religion as much as one can be, but I had no relationship, you know, and, yeah. and God to me, you know, as much as Mormonism tries to portray God, who's very personal because he's just like us, essentially, uh, he to me was very distant, you know, and I would pray and I was supposed to have this strong testimony and get up in testimony meeting and, and bear my testimony, but I, I wouldn't and I didn't for many, many years oh, yeah. because I felt I had nothing to show for, you know, as far as anything, you know, I was one of those that said, well, I guess my gift is that I'm just to believe on other people's words. Remember that, that gift right. in DNC is that there's a gift of just believing in other people's words. I said, well, that's my uh. gift. I just faithfully believe the leaders and I faithfully believe my parents. So that's, that's where I'm at, you know, so following somebody else's testimony is really what Mm -hmm. I was doing. So Jolene, how does this impact you? Are you getting concerned as a, as a Mormon wife that, wow, it seems like James is um, maybe struggling or. Yeah. Yeah. where Where are you with this? I was like in confusion. I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, um, I knew he was never like one of the things I really loved about him and I fell in love with him for was that he was never one to like toot his own horn. He was very humble. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, just, um, he never was looking for attention. And I, like, I mean, he's like this attorney and he was just driving this old truck. You know, I loved that about him. <laughs> but I always knew there was like the spiritual side of him. I could see it, even though he would betray that he was not, he's like, look, I'm, I'm not one of those that was chasing after like a bishop's calling or anything. And I loved that. I thought, wow he's really spiritual inside but then we got married and and a little bit later like you said he's just you know never wanted to like study scriptures he never wanted to do family home evening anymore it was like you know it was just i felt like i was just dragging him to do it and um and so i was just in the confusion and he he couldn't share it with me at that time but then my sister who was um oh my gosh she was like seminary counsel just amazing um you know follower of you know, the mormon faith and and she's um she's a doctor and she was called to teach gospel doctrine in her ward and as she started to teach that class and started to find out more about the roots of mormonism yes. um, she started to struggle a lot and so her and her husband left the mormon church they ended up agnostic and and um and so she um her leaving was really traumatic for me i was like oh my gosh they're gonna just like get divorced their family's gonna fall apart and to be honest they did but they just mm. After Mormonism, which happens to so many that leave Mormonism, mm, yes. if nothing is true, we're just going to have fun. <laughs> and so they just, mm. yeah, that kind of uh, took its toll on their marriage when they decided just to, that life was just about living it for fun, you know? Right. And the problem uh, is what happens if what's fun for you isn't fun for me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, so that did it. Um, and then my brother soon after also started to question and, and he became agnostic as well. And so, um, so that's why I remember talking to James. I'm like, oh my gosh, my family's falling apart. And, you know, and that's when he kind of shared, hey, don't be so hard on them. I actually have questions too. And that's the first time I realized, oh, he's got wow. questions. 
So then he's it's very intellectual, like logical questions. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a problem here. So yeah, so then I started to really, because I'm not somebody that, like he said, I'm kind of very passionate. I can't really live a lie. And so you know, he's like, mm. well, but we don't know of another better option. You know, this is a good way to raise a family. We probably shouldn't mm. rock the boat, but you know, so we'd, mm-hmm. yeah, we just kind of discuss these questions he had. And, and then I would go search in the Mormon, you know, but I would stay in the Mormon, um, you know, stuff. materials. Yeah. <laughs> I, stuff. I just stayed within the Mormon stuff and I would answer those questions with their apologetics. And so I pacified myself for a while. I'm like, no, I think it's still true. It's good. <laughs> but, but eventually it wasn't good. It, it wasn't lining up anymore. And then the questions were just not getting taken care of as he would voice other ones. Like, how about this question? You know, we'd go on hikes together and he'd voice more. And, and I started to see more unhappiness in him. And that worried me. Like, I just like, you know, if, if this religion is making you so unhappy, I'm really okay. Even if I stay in, I'm okay with you. Um, not being Mormon, but you know, he, he um, wasn't uh, finding a solution to it. And I always um, assumed the problem was me, right? Yeah. I was having a faith crisis. And so it's my problem. It's my lack of doubt. It's exactly. Re- not going to the temple enough, reading the book <laughs> yeah. of Mormon enough, praying enough. Yeah. 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 So it was just a reflection of my, my unworthiness. And so I just put your shoulder to the wheel, you get through this type of thing, you know, but the questions mm-hmm. kept getting bigger, not smaller. And the more you look, the more you see there's no answers to these questions. And they're questions, mm-hmm. and not to say that we should have answers to every question, but, but there are questions that we should have answers yeah. to. And, and, yeah. And, and, so you know. what, what were some of the, what were some of those like bigger issues that as you ran into them that you said, this is just not resolving and, and yeah. it's important enough that it should be. Yeah. A big ones for me were, you know, my questions typically went to Joseph Smith, to the Book of Mormon. Those are, I would consider the foundation of Mormonism. Right. Mm-hmm. Many things we can look at afterwards, but, but to me, I was going to the foundation. With, with Joseph Smith, again, I was looking at, the, the, you know, this event, which they call the cornerstone of our religion, the first vision, you know, the other than the resurrection, the biggest event of human history. Yes. And, yeah. and Joseph Smith can't get his story right as to what happened who showed up, mm-hmm. what was said, you know, mm-hmm. and his vision is evolving over many years. And, and he didn't even tell anybody about it until many years, you know, over probably a dozen years after it happened. To me, that's a big deal. You know, as, mm-hmm. as an attorney, you know, if I have somebody on, on the on, on the witness stand and I'm cross-examining them and, and, and their story has changed from the time where they gave their statement to the police to mm-hmm. the time they're at trial, I'm saying there, there's dishonesty going on here. I don't, I don't just give him a pass and say, well, he's, no, this, and these are big changes, not little changes, right? Was it right? Yes. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. things like that. So that was a big one for me. Uh, simple anachronisms in, in the Book of Mormon. I remember being a big deal, um, seeing things mentioned in the Book of Mormon that was making it appear more like a, a book written in 1830 <laughs> versus <laughs> a book written in 600 uh, BC, yeah. um, you know, things that, you know, steel and horses and, and, and those types of things. Right. I remember, um, and and also just the um, as I started to see just a little more about um, like the, uh, the, the the essentially the plagiarizing that was going on from the Bible into the Book of Mormon, and yeah. the plagiarizing, but how that wouldn't make sense that we have the King James version of the Book of Mormon in these in these golden plates, right? Right. Yeah, 600 BC, they <laughs> Book of Mormon times they weren't speaking King James. Yeah. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah things like that. I remember I got a hold of the CES letter at one point and uh, I got through like page 10 and these are things that I had been hearing before, you know, the book of Abraham, it's a big one, yeah. you know, just yes. this stuff and just seeing how the, the churches continue to change its story and 
polygamy, you know, I just yeah. don't think there's good answers to that. Unless you just want to say you're okay with polygamy. There's really no way around that, you know, and, and, and I was not. Um, yeah. So those are some big ones for me. Yeah. Okay. And so Jolene, as he's sharing these things with you, you're not just then blowing them off. You're going, my husband's an intelligent man. He's an attorney. He knows how to ask questions. He knows how to look at evidence. Yeah. Your own siblings have obviously seen enough stuff for them to leave. Mm-hmm. So what is this doing to you? And we're really close to needing to wrap up in terms of our time. Yeah. yeah. So just, I think where I'd kind of like to end is, Okay. Because we're going to do a part two, very obviously here. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're barely probably halfway through your story. And, yeah. but where, where is this leaving you as you're looking now at the only faith you've pretty much known through your whole life? Yeah. I'll leave you on a cliffhanger. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Like so, so then as he's just like, okay, let's just not rock the boat. Um, I, um, God put somebody in our life that actually she had been some, through some um, kind of hard things in her life. She had lost her oldest child to a freak mm. accident and then her young, her baby within mm. two years time. So she looked at Mormonism very differently. She had different eyes to see things. Um, but she introduced us to um, Denver Snuffer. Have you guys heard of him? Yes, oh, we yes. have. We got a little Mormon, you know, a splinter off group. Yeah. And, um, and so she introduced us to his writings. And for me, my questions were not so much Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. The ones I was stuck on and I couldn't get answers to was stuff like just things that I felt like the current organization was doing and hiding. Like, yeah, I'm an accountant. And so I felt like they aren't, you know, weren't forthcoming on how they spend their money. They don't, you know, really reveal that. And those things bothered me. And there was a whole bunch of other things. So um, I was like, James, I found our answer. And so I start to head into this um, little uh, splinter off group. And yeah, it was a little crazy after that. Things really hit the fan. <laughs> and that's where we will pick up next time with you guys. Yeah. So thanks so much for being with us and sharing your story. Lynn, any final words for our listening audience? Um, I'm just going to say, join us, because I think this story is going to get even more interesting here. I'll start the next episode with it. How's that? <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. Grace and peace until next time. So <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.